Welcome to The Gaggle, an AZ Central podcast where we chat with reporters and experts to keep you fully informed on the state's political news. I'm Yvonne Winget Sanchez. I cover the U.S. Senate. Last week, Governor Doug Ducey released his 2019 budget. He seems to be putting his focus on public safety, education, a lot of the same themes that we've seen before. Here to help talk with us today is Maria Paletta, who covers the governor's office. Thanks for having me. So can you give us a sense of what the big themes and priorities are of Ducey's budget? As you said, there's a huge emphasis on education, which I'm sure is in no small part a response to the massive teacher walkout that we saw last year. Um, That education spending is on top of the teacher raise plan, which we'll see its second phase this year. Um, Public safety is another huge focus as usual. Corrections officers, uh, DPS troopers are going to see a pretty hefty um, pay raise, about 10%. Also, um, Department of Child Safety caseworkers will see a 9% raise. Uh, That's all because those positions have been hard to fill um, and have traditionally been under what's needed to keep things um, going day to day in a way that doesn't put too much pressure on those employees. There was also some emphasis on infrastructure and one new addition, um, which isn't new to anybody who's been listening to the governor for the last month or so, but new in terms of you know looking at this budget compared to previous ones, um, is the $30 million to uh, water efforts, this drought contingency plan that we have coming up. Um, the January 31st deadline, we'll see if we meet it. If we don't, if lawmakers and the governor can't agree on that plan, then the federal government is going to decide for us what those water cuts look like. So the governor has a reputation of kind of playing it safe, of giving... Uh, y- y- paying enough attention, just enough attention to the issues that might be publicly um, reflected in the polling and the focus groups that he hears from. How was this budget received by the outside groups that are going to be down at the state capitol fighting over every penny and maybe some of the more hyper-political groups that have something to gain by either um, giving him accolades or... um, disagreeing with him. Well, there was a range of responses um, in terms of community groups, something that has been um, a big sort of flashpoint, and it was even before he released it because people knew this was coming. He's trying to get his school safety plan passed again this year. Um, that, of course, you know, addresses uh, basically preventing mass shootings. He couldn't get it through last year. Republicans thought it went too far. Democrats thought it went not far enough. Um, this year, he's proposing to put, you know, a, quote, a cop on every campus that needs one. And um, some groups, uh, as well as some Democratic lawmakers, feel that that's not the way to go, that what we need is more counselors, um, and that when you have more uh, school resource, excuse me, school resource officers on campus, you tend to see um, discrimination in terms of who is punished, who is disciplined, tends to be kids who are lower income, kids of color. So that's been a huge thing in terms of the immediate response. Um, With lawmakers, both Democrats and Republicans gave him props basically for the pay raises. Um, Democrats said, hey, there are a few things in there that sound like some Democratic proposal from the last several years. Um, Those child care subsidies, um, the increase in school counselors, that sort of thing. Um, Republicans were also happy about um, those public safety raises like I said, but both of them had an issue um, with his proposal to put half of the projected billion dollar surplus into our rainy day fund. Um, Democrats thought, you know, 
yes, we we need to be fiscally responsible, all of that, but we haven't done enough to, you know, fix crumbling schools, infrastructure. Here's a chance where we could put some of that toward that um, instead of just doing the bare minimum. Um, Republicans felt the same about the rainy day fund, but for different reasons. Um, some of the leadership there was saying, you know, we could be paying down debt, um, doing other things instead of just, you know, putting this money in the bank for a rainy day. How much money is Ducey proposing to put in the rainy day fund? And this is the fund for, in layman's terms, is essentially your savings account. This is the money that you're not going to play with. You're just going to put it away and not touch it. $542 million. That's quite a chunk of change, but unsurprising from a Republican conservative business type um, politician. He probably knows, though, that you're going to negotiate away from that figure, right? So he, we probably are going to end up using some of that money. Uh, if you had to kind of take a guess based on assessing the makeup of this body, where could some of that um, money go towards if you're looking at some of the priorities that leadership wants on both the Republican and um, Democratic sides? Well, I think um, not to sound like a broken record, but education is going to be one of those points. I mean, he is very, um, he, the governor, is very proud of the teacher raise plan. Um, not all teachers are happy with that. And a lot of people in the Red Fred movement um, also are upset that, that those raises don't go to support staff, you know, your bus drivers, cafeteria workers, that sort of thing. Um, and a lot of the new Democratic faces uh, that we're seeing in the legislature have credited that movement movement with their wins in November. So they're very attuned to that issue, those issues, um, school infrastructure, that sort of thing. And so I think they'll likely be pushing for more on the education side. Um, I think we could also see, this is, I'm not sure about this one, but I know that another point of discussion, like I said, has been um, those raises because everybody's happy about public safety personnel getting those, but public safety personnel weren't the only ones to ask for raises in terms of state employees who haven't seen an across-the-board um, pay bump for a while now. So that might be something else that's up for discussion. For a Republican governor who preaches less regulation, he has actually proposed increased funding for the charter school board. This is a very um, significant movement, and it follows uh, Arizona Republic Craig Harris's months of reporting on issues plaguing the, uh, the charter school community. Can you give us a sense of what that money could cover? So that money is uh, designed primarily to go to um, staffing for additional oversight. So as you said, there have been several controversies recently and um, in the past well, I guess the last few months of last year, the governor sort of joined the call for additional charter school oversight, um, changes in procurement, conflict of interest, all that sort of stuff to kind of get charters more in line with the rules that um, regular district schools are following. So the idea is that um, would get that process moving. Now, there's some disagreement on whether it would, because um, just because you have oversight uh, employees documenting things, you know, they could be documenting with no enforcement. We don't know what that looks like yet, but that is um, a, a pretty um, significant, as you said, move on the governor's part, uh, especially since, you know, we had a few years of these types of controversies before he joined this effort. 
So I want to go back to the child care subsidies uh, area that you mentioned. This is a really important area uh, of the the state government. This is child welfare services. His goal over the past couple of years has been to really decrease the number of children who are in the state's care or under the state's care through this um, through this agency. Our reporter, uh, Mary Jo Pitzel, has covered this in depth. Can you give us a sense of what his proposal aims to fund and how that might affect these numbers long term? Right. So his goal here is essentially um, pushing lawmakers to authorize some federal aid that's available. I believe it's about $56 million or so um, for these subsidies. And to your point about, you know, kids not being in state care and being able to have outside child care, this essentially um, provides some money for parents of, uh, for low-income parents and foster parents to do that for their children. We have not seen um, an increase in the max subsidy amount since I think 2000. Um, so we're, we have among the oldest and lowest rates right now. Um, this would increase that maximum uh, up to, I believe, 775 or around there um, in terms of the, the maximum monthly subsidy you could get for this. So the idea is, you know, that money is there, we should be taking advantage of it so that families can be taking advantage of it. So for everyday Arizonans who are taking their weekend trips up north, and get stuck on the dreaded I-17 headed back on Sunday night when you are, you know, you got your tick list of things you got to do. You got to grocery shop. You got to get through the kids' homework. You got to pack lunches for the next day. How might they be affected by the $130 million that Doug Ducey wants to spend to widen I-17? Yes. So I'm sure there will be many uh, people excited about this project being moved up um, and prioritized, myself included, as I have sometimes taken, you know, like four or five hours to get home when there is a, a wreck on there. Um, so he is proposing um, 40 million this year and 45 million for the following two years, each of those two years, um, to add that third travel lane. And that'd be between Black Canyon City and Anthem. So that will allow um, that money would allow ADOT to address basically the entire corridor where they're trying to widen that instead of going piece by piece um, more incrementally. So drivers could see, you know, a, a, an easier to navigate I-17 um, in about three years. So that portion of uh, the governor's proposed widening of the I-17 relies on funding from that super controversial vehicle registration fee. This is the fee that adds $32-ish mm -hmm. to your registration uh, f uh, costs every time you register your vehicle. My registration form is sitting on the counter, and that was the first thing I thought of, actually, when I pulled it out of the mail. Do we foresee any um, chances of this fee getting repealed, getting expanded, or just staying as is? I think if I had to guess uh, that the most likely scenario is for it to stay as is, um, there are already bills that have been dropped um, to repeal it. Lawmakers are not happy because the estimated fee was about $18. And as you said, it's now at about 32 Although I will say officials last year did say this is a conservative estimate. We're still doing the calculations. Um, but the governor has uh, essentially said, you know, uh, he won't 
say it explicitly, um, but has said in multiple different ways that he's not really entertaining the idea of signing something that would repeal that. So I think that would be a tough sell with him. Um, and as you said, you know, there are several items on this budget that are already counting on that money. Arizona is also home to tens of thousands of veterans who have served in all branches of uh, government. He uh, wants to put money towards a hotline for suicide prevention. Why is this important? Well, Arizona, when you look at um, our veteran suicide rate compared to other neighboring states in the region, we're pretty high um, at 18%, which is a little startling. So the program for this already exists, but he wants to make sure that that continues, possibly expands. I believe it served um, more than 2,000 veterans last year in terms of getting them help and services. So the goal is to, to keep that going and to make sure that we're not sort of leaving our veterans <laughs> out in the cold, so to speak, um, if they're struggling after they come back. So the budget process is just kicking off. This is a starting point. The governor has laid down his marker as to what he wants. This will be a months-long process uh, while lawmakers, pu uh, public uh, entities, special interest groups try to get him off of his negotiating points. How can everyday Arizonans get involved or have a say in how this process unfolds. Arizonans can, of course, contact their lawmakers, they can contact the governor, they can attend public hearings or watch those live streamed. Um, those streams as well as contact information can be found at azleg.gov. And of course, um, by staying informed throughout the process, which we of course want to help you with. So if you want to follow our coverage, follow the state politics team on Twitter, um, that will be tweeting out updates, I'm sure, daily or almost daily as we follow this process. Well, that is it for today, Gaggle listeners. If you have any questions, reach out to me on Twitter at Yvonne Winget. Maria, where can listeners find you? They can find me at mpoletta. That's M-P-O-L-L-E-T-T-A. Gaggle listeners, we want to hear from you. What are your thoughts on the show? The state of politics, our coverage? Chime in on Twitter with the hashtag, hashtag the Gaggle pod. We'll be sure to reply. If you like the show, please subscribe and leave a rating wherever you get your podcasts and tell your friends about us. Your support is what makes it possible for us to do our work each week. Today's episode was edited and produced by Taylor Seeley, Taya Francesca Price, and Kayla White. Thanks again. We'll be back next Wednesday. <laughs>